This episode contains spoilers for all the movies on the list, as well as uncut gems for some reason. Sawi. Hi, and welcome to Pass the Golden Popcorn, an MTV Movie Award podcast where we look at everyone's favorite award show, the MTV Movie Awards, and try and figure out who really should have won. Um, I'm Kenny Sage, a foremost movie expert. And I'm Ben Gregg, a foremost kissing expert. Well, and today... I forgot to ask our guest what she's an expert on, but there is a lot of things, including um, Steven Soderbergh, not relevant for this episode, uh, Greta Gerwig, not relevant to this episode, and being an internet personality, relevant. So please welcome um, William Taylor. Hello. Good to be here. And I, I think I think you will find over the course of this episode that there is one thing that I'm an expert in, or at least close to it, that will be relevant. So, Ooh, I'm very excited about this. Yeah. I mean, you you, yeah. you you can probably guess what it is, but your listenership may not. So, yeah. So, William, also also known as like former, I mean, in certain cir- circles as the narrator. Uh, yes. Back when. Back in the day when sites like AV Club and The Dissolve were active or had good comment sections that weren't run by uh, whatever like it, bullshit it, AV Club is using now. It's it's called Kinja. It's called Kinja. <laughs> that, right. Back back I in try, back I tried in to my... make that work for so long and then yeah. just had to give up. Just... Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I was out of there the minute that came in. Back in my day, we only had to worry about, we only had to complain about discus. That was the only thing we needed, we had to argue about. But now, you know. Uh, discus R.I.P. I mean, it's still being used by other sites. It's just not on the AV Club. But yes, yes. This, this, yeah. is, a, this is a pro-discus podcast now. I'm staking out the claim. Yeah, that, that's fine. Yeah, Ben, uh, William was, you know, just this, you know, popular commenter there and she always had a lot of good insights and then eventually I joined a discord there and I found out that she was 11 or like like a teenager not, during a lot of that period not not 11 it was I started at 13 that was okay but I I, I okay, that's a bit better okay. I was admittedly faking it for most of the early days just pretending to know more than I did but you know eventually I I think I've gotten to a point where I actually know enough. So listen, there's there's, there's no shame in that. I definitely um, role played as a teacher in Roblox when I was around that age. So like, I was definitely not qualified for that either. A hundred percent. William, a f- question we like to ask all our guests to get them a good sense. So, what's your experience with kissing? Like, and how do you feel about it in movies? Experience with kissing is is just na non applicable. But kissing in movies, it's fine. You know, I don't, I, I'm not excited by just the average kiss in a movie, I'd say. If it's a really good one, then like, obviously I'm like, oh, wow, you know, that's good. But otherwise, I'm not like begging people in movies to kiss. So that's a good perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we got a couple of, well, very good ones today. And then, um... Some others. I I personally yes. had fun with. I personally had fun with every movie on this list, um, except for uh, maybe one, and I don't know if it's the one that you guys are expecting either. But 
if it's the one I'm if it's the one I'm fearing it is, then this this record will be a bloodbath. But I, I, we'll, we'll, I get, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. I don't think it will be, but yeah, um, yeah. If we okay, want to... okay. <laughs> yeah. So the 2003 MTV Movie Awards. So, oh yeah. So normally I like give a, give some information like right from the Wikipedia, and I will mostly do that. But this week my job was harder because someone a couple weeks ago went onto the page, did some editing. And then switched, like, one candidate in most of the major categories with Scooby-Doo, like, nominees. <laughs> um, Who would do that? Honestly, could be, like, a listener of our show. There's... Uh, so Lee, I, I know a couple people who would absolutely do this. A, a listener of your show specifically setting out to make your job harder for your show. So somebody who, who really love-hate relationship with you guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a couple people this could be, um, or it could just be some, like, ra- rando who also loves Scooby-Doo, like, and was active on the internet. Seems, like, pretty possible. So. Listen, they just want to make sure that we're working hard, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, but best movie this year, somehow they did not mess with this one, because it was Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Oh, wait, and, oh yeah, also it was held May 31st, 2003. And hosted by Sean William Scott and Justin Timberlake. <laughs> this is the MTV Movie Awards with the Matrix Reloaded parody, which has now, in at least one section, almost exceeded the cultural memory of the actual Matrix Reloaded. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that like messed with me with a little bit. That was definitely very confusing. But no, I was gonna say that I guess this is like the second year in a row. Lord of the Rings was a was a favorite of the MTV Academy. That's funny that they did the parody this year, because the actual Matrix Reloaded is a nominee next year. I mean, this is just like a thing where it came out pretty close to when the awards aired, so they struck while the iron was hot, rather than wait a year. Okay, that makes sense. I I doubt they were doing a Matrix Revolutions parody next year. Yeah, unless it was someone just going, what the hell is that? Um, It's the year they did Best Virtual, like, Performance? They also had a Best Transatlantic performance, which was not in the aired ceremony, but I guess it was just for maybe when people are like, wait, a high number of actors in these movies are just British? Best Kiss was presented by Queen Latifah and Adrian Brody. I wonder what that was like. I mean, Adrian Brody, obviously famous for a kiss, so, you know, good for them for getting him, like, again, straight off of that, so. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, so. Other than that, I think we can get into things. Yeah. And l- luckily, the like best the best kiss subsection page has not been <laughs> That's tampered good. with. Though also my like tip off that something was weird was when it said the winner that year was Freddie Prince Jr. and Sir Michelle Geller in <laughs> Scooby Doo, and I'm like, if this is true, then I've like grossly <laughs> made a mis- like made a mistake for this podcast. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I can't but, I can't say for sure. I it would be very possible. I would simply not do this if Scooby Doo was the winner. <laughs> no offense listen, to Scooby Doo, but um, I again. you know certain movies I do not want to watch in preparation for a podcast or anything. Listen, the the Academy wants what the Academy wants. You know, we we, we can only look at this like archaeologists and uh, and try and uncover why they made these decisions. 
Yes, that's what we do here. We don't just summarize movies and go, yeah, that's pretty good next. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so the nominees were um, Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner, Daredevil, Nick Cannon and Zoe Saldana, Drumline, Leonardo DiCaprio and Cameron Diaz, Gangs of New York, Adam Sandler and Emily Watson, Punch Drunk Love, and the winner was Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst for Spider-Man. And that is where we will start the little obscure Marvel hero, Spider-Man. Not a person who gets a lot of play in Marvel movies, but I'm glad you know he squeaked this one out. Um. <laughs> yeah. <They've... laughs> yeah. Yeah. They made three films, and they're like, you know what? That's good. We can stop exactly. messing with you know, this. Put, put it to rest. You know, we've seen enough Spider-Man. You know. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Let's just keep trying to crack that Fantastic Four. Exactly. Or Blade. Or Daredevil. <laughs> Yeah, um, this movie, I think this was, I usually make a point to like watching like the winner last, so I've watched this one the most recently, um, and I forgot how insane the Green Goblin is in this movie. I mean, it, uh, what part? his Just... entirety. <laughs> he turns those old guys into skeletons. You're telling me the light the lighthouse's <laughs> William Dafoe gave an insane performance in a movie? I find that hard he, to he's believe. He's so much more insane in this than he is in the lighthouse too. That's what messed me up about it. He is a he's a crazy green character in this movie. I mean, I I I want to say my piece and say that I think Willem Dafoe should have been nominated for best kiss for autofocus this year. I don't even remember if he has a kiss in it, but get him in there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, get more variety in these categories. It's like upside down kiss. Eh, I, yeah. yeah, just like yeah, exactly. poss- possible murderer of sitcom star Bob Crane. Get him in there, you know. Spider Man is a movie I didn't necessarily have to like. I didn't necessarily have to rewatch it because um, Spider Man is, I think, maybe my favorite superhero, and I read a lot of his comics. And like an image of this kiss is just seared into my memory somewhere like whenever i think of it but i'm like oh it's been a while and i've watched the other um sam raimi spider-man's like in the past year and not this one so i'm like i'll watch this and gotta say good movie. yeah i i usually yeah the first spider-man is probably the one that i i watched the least because um like two is just amazing and like three given all its foibles is still pretty fascinating and has some really solid scenes but yeah, the first Spider-Man is the one I probably see the least, and I'm, I'm glad I got a chance to watch it again, or a reason to watch it again. And then, William, I, I know I know you didn't rewatch really Spider-Man for this, but you've, like, seen seen this before, I'm assuming? Just... I mean, I've seen the kiss enough. That's that's what I will say. I, I yeah. feel confident enough to judge it on the basis of that, which is obviously legendary, even beyond the MTV Movie Awards, so I, I felt good in my judgment. Yeah, something I think I took note of is that, like, that is not like a oh thank you hero kiss. That was like a full makeout. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, yeah, those movies are all very adolescent horny, so <laughs> that's 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 the that's the subtext. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah. even barely subtext. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're a lot hornier than the ones where he's actually a teenager. Yeah, like, like it wasn't a... like a, like, oh my gosh, my hero, like, little peck, like, oh, oh no, like, Mary Jane, like, that, 
that's cheating on on James Franco without a doubt. Like that kiss was so. Uh. I mean, if you if you're if you're in a relationship with James Franco, I think cheating is the only option to you at a certain point. At the very least, with Spider Man. I'm guys. yeah. I mean, no competition. Mm-hmm. Unless it's unless it's like freaks, unless it's freaks and geeks, yeah, James so Franco, gonna... you know, then maybe. Oh yeah, that's kind of yeah, a dream boat yeah. for like freaks and geeks. <laughs> okay, so for Sp- Spider Man, um, one of two Spider Mans that we're gonna discuss for the like best kiss category. The other one is Amazing Spider Man Two, which is... I still haven't seen the the first two Amazing Spider Man, or I guess the only two Amazing Spider. You, you're still holding out hope. They're getting Paul Giamatti back for the third one. <laughs> I really, I I think I got like ten minutes yeah. into like the first one, and I was like, I don't want to watch this anymore. I think it's like the scene where like the really like hot popular girls like hey can you take a picture of me i boyfriend's truck and i was like this movie's so stupid i want to turn this off um but i I will definitely give it another chance or at least the second one another chance for this podcast yeah the amazing spider-man there's stuff in it i think like i think it does just as good or better than this film like the uncle ben material in amazing spider-man i actually like a lot but then there's just all this other stuff and Amazing Spider-Man 2, I think, is the only Spider-Man movie I've seen just one time. So, interested to revisit that and see if I appreciate it more as... If nothing else, just like a a, crazy, like, batshit superhero movie at a time where, like, more and more Marvel stuff is kind of, like, uniform. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think, like, a thing that I've commonly heard is that, like, Tobey Maguire is, like, a better Peter Parker... And Andrew Garfield is, like, a better Spider-Man. That's, like, the common thing I heard. Now, I wonder if that holds water. Yeah, because... Well, because in Amazing Spider-Man, they're like, he's got to be quippy this time. He's gotta yeah, that's the only thing I've heard in favor of Andrew Garfield, is that he tells jokes as Spider-Man, and, like, nothing else about any part of his performance has gotten any kind of, <laughs> yeah. like, do. And, you know, I haven't seen those movies. I won't see those movies, probably. But, you know... I like Andrew Garfield, so maybe maybe he, there's something there. I remember, um, like, recently an Andrew Garfield thing I did is that I was go- scrolling through TikTok, and I've personally never seen The Social Network, but I, I know, like, the lawyer-up asshole scene, so I just kept on sending videos to my friends on Snapchat of me just re- repeating that scene to them. <laughs> And we're followed by just a Snapchat of my face going like, I've never seen this movie, by the way. I mean, it... it, it oh we... God. He, he is very good yes. on social network. And I was going to say, at least you're not doing that with any of his scenes in Under the Silver Lake, in which case your friends would probably not be your friends anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, but um, I guess God. back to Spider-Man. Yeah, to give a quick summary for anyone who doesn't know the story of Spider-Man... Um, yeah, Spider-Man, uh, classic story, uh, kid bit spider, uncle died, um, just, and then superhero, and that's sort of everything, honestly. And, and Willem, and Willem Dafoe's there too. Oh, yeah, Yeah, oh, like, I, like, first of all, completely forgot about the scene where he just, like, carpet bombs his, like, competitors, that was insane. I guess maybe at, I, I I assume at the time is it like 
is it like a twist that he's the Green Goblin? Or is that like I don't, known no, really early th- on? No, I'm pretty sure that's like in all the marketing. So I don't think it's a twist. No, it's... Yeah, because I feel like there is like a, a, a reveal moment later. Yeah, like he... It's literally like Spider-Man's most famous comic villain and like the stories with him are there. So unless you went into this completely <laughs> blind, like, uh, and Spider-Man? Like, yeah, what's um, this? Like, yeah, it's... so there's Norman Osborn. He he starts he takes like the super soldier serum or some kind of equivalent that makes him really strong but also insane. Um, he turns um, some wealthy guys into skeletons, and then he tries to kill Spider Man, and does it doesn't work. There's a bridge of New Yorkers that throw trash at him, and that's like my favorite scene. You mess with one of us, you mess with all. Yeah, of us. oh, it's such a good like. What a good. Like I feel like every Spider-Man, at least or at least every variation of Spider-Man, needs to have that one like, a New Yorkers. Scene, every Spider-Man know? movie needs to have a scene yeah. explicitly set in the aftermath of 9/11. This is this is, <laughs> this is what the Marvel movies are missing. Oh yeah, oh oh my gosh. Uh, sorry, sorry. There's so much 9/11 talk in these podcasts, but. The original trailer for, I'm pretty sure this Spider-Man movie had, like, him stringing up yes. a helicopter between the twin towers. Yes. Yes, and then that's, like, banned. They, like, remove that one. Yeah, but, but I believe it. it is uh, on YouTube no, this, in, like, no, weirdly high quality. Like, somebody got a print oh, yeah. of it, and, like, it looks amazing. Yeah, it looks, it's a great trailer, but also it's like, oh, uh, yeah. No, this is why I was telling you two episodes ago that we'd have the opportunity to talk about 9-11 more. Like, the... right. If you don't think that the MTV KISS Award Movie Podcast is not going to be riddled with um, tangents about 9-11, then you just are in the wrong place, honestly. This, especially in this time period, I mean, I don't know what you expect us to talk about if not eventually 9-11 and like yeah like spider-man gay also yeah a lot of movies this year are just set in new york like spider-man daredevil gangs of new york gangs of new york also explicitly ends with twin towers like it's so so never never forget uh support uh first responders i don't know uh don't do it again don't do it again you know once was enough I think. Yeah, exactly. Listen, whoever yeah. whoever did it, we're wagging our finger at you, okay? Right now, this podcast is officially taking an anti nine eleven stance, okay? Yeah. We're, we're we're putting our we're putting a line in the sand. We're unfurling that second banner. It's like mission also accomplished in taking a stand against this. We're, we're like Bob Odenkirk in that one Mister Show sketch. We are shaking the crime stick at the nine eleven conspirators and hijackers. <laughs> exactly. Oh. Yeah. But yeah, um, the kiss in Spider-Man uh, happens um, right after uh, Spider-Man saves Mary Jane from like a bunch of like street thugs, and it, yeah, it's another, it's an upside down rain kiss. Um, it's like it's iconic, you know. I I don't fault the Academy for like picking this one. I don't know if it's the, it's definitely not the best one in this no, list. But, no, like I totally. But I, th- it. it's not the best one. But you kind of have to give yeah. it to it because it's such an instantly iconic image yeah. that it's like, like I, there's one here that I think is quite clearly better. But otherwise, you know, just just give it to Spider Man, of course. Like especially the 
audience of the MTV yeah. Movie Awards. Like, who else are you giving it to? Oh, yeah. it's That's the thing, like, just based on audience. And, yeah, it became, like, an instantly iconic moment. Um, as we alluded to a couple, like, we still only talked about Castaway Kisses. Rain Kisses are famously always just miserable for everyone involved. Um, this one doubly so, because one of the participants was upside yeah. down. Which is a lot of, like, harnesses. So, like, no one is happy when they're shooting that kiss. But it looks, like, fucking great. Yeah, it's um, definitely... It's it's worth the effort, honestly. Yeah, and, like, I think... Yeah, Mag- and, like, Maguire and Dunce are both, like, really good in this. Um, and they have a lot of chemistry there. And, yeah... Tobey Maguire actually not at the MTV Movie Awards to accept his trophy. He was off doing Spider-Man 2 stuff, so they sent Kirsten Dunst in his, like, steed. And, you know, you know, she did a thing where she's like, well, well, I hope the sequel will have, like, a lot more epic makeouts that, like, make you all happy. But then she, but then she also was like, I would have given it to Punch Drunk Love. And then she shouts out Jake Gyllenhaal, her best kiss. Because they were famously involved during this time. This, this is this is when the the famous salad picture is taken. If I'm not is it around this time, or were they together longer than that? I think this is like around the point when that picture is taken. Ben, have you ever seen this like photo of like Jake Gyllenhaal and Kirsten Dunst? No, it's, I have it not. Is, I will, oh, I will okay. Wait. I will. No, I will post it. I will. I will post it right now. You. You need to. We need to get the reaction to this live on mic. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really good photo. Also. Jake Gyllenhaal on to go, you know, fight another Spider-Man. And and he famously, yeah. he was, like, the backup choice in case Tobey Maguire didn't do Spider-Man 2 for whatever reason. It's all, yeah, it's all connected. There's, like, contract negotiations, and <laughs> they had Gyllenhaal there as they're like, look, we can replace you like that. Like, oh, that is a good photo. <laughs> yes, it, it's very funny. Yeah, just... <laughs> I'll share it to our Twitter account so people can see just Kirsten Dunst, like, just eating salad. Like, I think gremlin is the common description for this. Listen, that's how we all look eating food sometimes. Just not everybody's taking pictures of us. (laughs) And he is just looking very supportive, very intent. He's, he's, He's fascinated by it. He's like, hmm, okay. Okay, I see this. I see what you're doing here. I think in any relationship, you are either the Jake Gyllenhaal or you are the Kirsten Dunst in this photo. There's no other leeway for you. Exactly. Before we move on, like, because I think this is our only chance, we gotta talk about J.K. Simmons in Spider-Man. Oh my gosh, yeah, he's so good, you know? And I, like, this is something I, like, did notice until, like, it's, like, it was pointed out to me in, like, I think on, like, a Twitter post or something. But, like, when, like, the Green Goblin, like... Like, asks him, like, who sends the photos, and, like, he covers up for Peter Parker. Like, that's a really cool scene. I like that. Yeah. Jonah is, like, someone who... And it's only been recently in the comics where they're like, oh, it's been 50 years, should we maybe have him do other stuff than just run the Daily Bugle and be, like, constantly angry at Spider-Man? But, like, because he really is, like, it's one bit with him for the longest time, but it it always works like it were yeah it works here where he's where it's he's just wanting his pictures of Sp- spider-man it works in the sequel where he has this moment i've made a terrible mistake and then immediately turns on a dime to to i want him i want him like locked up and hung by his webs and 
Oh, that the moment Spider-Man like chooses to return and takes like the costume that he's like hung up in his like office, like yeah, <laughs> it's really. There's a reason they stopped using the character in movies until they could get like J.K. Simmons to pop up again, and I'm not sure if he'll be good in an era where he seems to be like an Alex Jones type conspiracy guy. But I have no doubt that J.K. Simmons will probably give like an objectively good performance in that because he's you know a good actor who like delivers each time. But you know that conception of that character rings some alarm bells. Yeah. Maybe this one will play up how buff he is now. Yeah. I mean, Alex Jones is, is swole, so w- this is a pro-Alex Jones being swole podcast. This is... I'm making this decision. <laughs> I don't know. I want to... Definitely okay. going to cut that up. So this is a pro-Alex Jones podcast. <laughs> I mean, it is... It yeah, is it's that, it too. It's that, too. So... There's that one picture of Alex Jones where, like, it's, like, the before and after of, like, his supplements. <laughs> And the only difference is that he's just more red. He <laughs> like looks the exact same. But yeah, no. Um, I I've uh, played and completed the Spider-Man like PS4 game, and like J. Jonah Jameson turning into like this conspirator like podcast radio show person is like a really really fun like addition. I'm sure it was done in like the comics before, but like it's a transition that like fits so smoothly and like would totally make sense of like. A newspaper tabloid person it's such a natural transition to that yeah the thing with him in the comics like recently has been um there was a big turn in the comics where spider-man and mary jane's marriage was erased in a deal with the devil <laughs> um i love comics they feel i yeah I, they're definitely something that i wish I, I love hearing about but i feel like reading them is just a lot of work to get awesome moments like that <laughs> Yeah, a famous story that no comic fan was mad about at all, and you can definitely bring up without, like, them going, uh, and ranting about it for, like, <laughs> half an hour, but, um, but as part of that, they did a thing where J. Jonah Jameson has, like, a heart attack early into, like, the relaunch run, and is forced to step down as, like, editor of the Daily Bugle, which the, which initially is bought by an even sleazier, more tabloid guy, but now that they've tried to make it, oh, they do want to do real journalism now, and then he serves as mayor of New York for a while, and then he becomes like a cable TV talking head, and then he has a podcast. He might still have a podcast, but there is a point where he does just find out Spider-Man's identity. He kind of pivots from hating Spider-Man to wanting to help Spider-Man, but he's still like J. Jonah Jameson, so he just gets in the way a lot. Like it's... <laughs> That's awesome. No. I'm, I'm piecing it together yeah. now. I don't know if this was what we were going to segue to, but I'm realizing that th- this is one of two movies this year, superhero movies specifically, with semi-ambiguous journalism characters as, like, heroes, as, like, supporters and antagonists to the superheroes. So. <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah, that is a good segue, because Daredevil is, in fact, yeah. nice. Okay, there, I, um, I'm, I got the gift. I got the gift. Call me director of Spider-Man Sam Raimi because I've got the gift, parentheses 2000. You know, Ben Affleck getting a little more nom play. Uh, that is nomination, not Vietnam. Um, yeah, after his previous nomination for Bounce. <laughs> a really, really strange movie. And this is like... 
Uh, before you go on, I have I no no I I have not listened to the bounce episode. Do you go into the fact that the director has said that bounce was re-edited into a romance when it was not that originally? We I did not no, know that. What? That okay. makes so much sense. Okay, let me bring this up. Let me. <laughs> Our biggest complaint is why is this a romance? Like <laughs> yeah. Okay, so so the director is the guy who did the opposite of sex like a few years before, which is like this really acclaimed dark comedy. And, like, apparently, he says, Bounce, this is direct quote, Bounce was a much edgier, darker film. It wasn't necessarily a romantic, whatever they thought it was, a great love story. It was really the story of a man's disintegration. So it went differently once the preview audience saw it. They're like, oh, I don't like that character. He makes me uncomfortable. Then we had to change it to get people to like him more. The problem is you never really make a better movie that way. Oh, you know, I feel like the... the dark comedy angle would have been such a better angle because now it's just like an okay romance movie with like a really messed up like beginning and like main in- inciting incident they thought changing the movie so like the plot is <laughs> him starting a romance by lying that he knew her dead husband and was indirectly responsible for his death would make people like him more look this is this is harvey weinstein we're talking about you know sense doesn't always come into the equation of what gets cut what gets re-edited okay but continue this this was just i just had i just i learned this and i had to share it no absolutely no i think it's important follow-up yeah that's a good one yeah i haven't been able to do as much research on these movies because i've if you listen to, like, the Bounce episode, there's something where Ben's like, yeah, I'm about to do a six-day work stretch. And I'm like, yeah, I'm about to do a five-day, like, stretch, so you're a bit ahead of me. But then that five days turned into 13. So oh, yeah. It's... Yeah. So I've been very tired and, like... Yeah, if, if in the last episode um, you were like, why, are there so... why was there, like, weird edits? It's because I edited it. Because... <laughs> there's definitely there's definitely two really good moments i'm really happy with in the next episode oh yeah i should listen to that before i like post it up to air just <laughs> yeah just make sure but yeah no you just replace it with some soapbox so for something you just, uh, i'll replace but it daredevil um say this about daredevil it's not the worst superhero movie ever made but when you watch it like next to spider-man it does not look yeah like great. i i definitely made like the very conscious choice of like let's watch daredevil first and then watch spider-man and i definitely had the process of like oh you know what daredevil not that bad and then watching spider-man and then going yeah daredevil kind of bad <laughs> oh it's it's better than Electra, a movie we're gonna have to talk about in a couple of weeks. I'll be the judge of that. Maybe I'll love Electra. Editor's note: I did not love Electra at all. I did not like it at one bit. If you love Electra, that might be the biggest <laughs> fight we have on this podcast. But yeah, um, yeah, Daredevil is a movie that starts with him being in a church and then flashes back to then flash forward, but not flashing forward to him being in the church. Um, that comes up later. It also is... My assumption was that everybody knew um, the Evervescent song from this movie, because this is where I knew it from. Um, but is that accurate? Is that how everyone knows the song? Or was it just a popular song that I missed out Wake on? Wake me up. Wake me up inside! 
That's the one. Yeah, that one is definitely for this movie because the music video is like Daredevil related. Okay, good. I'm, I definitely I think was it's, like it was definitely one of those things. If it's if it's not specifically written for Daredevil, it's like a kiss from a rose situation where they had like a hit single or like a good looking single and they put it on the album as synergy. Oh yeah. Kenny famously yeah. hates Kiss from a Rose. What? By the way, everybody. What <laughs> yeah. the hell? Come on. Come on. Get out of here. Yeah, it's definitely not one of my favorite songs that I can like just do like from memory at any oh. time. Um, okay, I see. I mean Yeah, we're doing a bit okay, okay. yes. The... Okay. I was I was oh, I was ready okay, to so, yeah, the... I was ready to toss off for a moment, so I'm, I'm glad I got had. Well, in our episode where Batman Forever doesn't get nominated for Best Kiss, I can definitely talk about Kiss from a Rose for, like, a bit. Okay, so the Evanescence studio debut album, I think, comes out around the same time as Daredevil, so it's it's a bit there. Yeah. I initially looked up the term My Immortal, which almost redirecting me to the infamous Harry Potter fan fiction um, of the same name. <laughs> that... But My Immortal is their other song that I also think is in this movie. Yes. There's a couple of Evanescence. Yeah, uh, My Immortal plays over Electra's dad's funeral. That's that's where that is. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, I'll say the, the Daredevil soundtrack, I'm not sure if I can say it's good, but it's definitely all stuff I would have listened to around this time as, like, a 11-year-old. So in that sense, they, like, nailed it. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I can't no. say it's good, and I definitely did not listen to it at the time because I would have been five years old, so... <laughs> yeah, but definitely it's a very early 2000 soundtrack. Um, yeah, um... I'll be honest, I'm going to be totally candid here. I completely forget, like, when the kiss is. Is it, like, during their, like, flirt fight? I'm it's this. I, I will, I will, I will say it. It is the scene in the rain, again with the fucking rain. <laughs> and it, <laughs> Listen, it is. It's, it's, it's Oscar bait, you know? It's, it's MTV Movie Award bait. Look, I'm, I'm with. Paul Giamatti and Lady in the Water. I think it's very profound. I think it's about rebirth and, you know, rejuvenation. So, but, uh, yeah, it's the scene in the rain where he, like, feels her face via the sound of raindrops, and then they kiss. Yeah, I'll say that scene's pretty good. Um... Yeah, when watching this movie, um, <laughs> when, uh, when watching this movie, I don't know, like, I'm very like limited on my information of like how like blind people like actually perceive stuff i assume it's not actually kind of like that but like i wish they would go like more like abstract with like the visualization when it raining instead of it just being kind of like blue x-ray vision like i feel like that would have been such a good opportunity to go like really abstract and have like a really cool visual style to the movie like how like some how like a blind person with superpowers would be able like to visualize and interpret things yeah, that would require them to have like good ideas. Yeah, this, this the, yeah th that w is a good style decision. This movie has no good style decisions, so it would be you're just asking for a different. What do you mean? What about the two different times that Bullseye gets away by just flicking his coat like across himself <laughs> while well, it makes a snake sound? That that I'm that I'm fine with. I'm fine with anything Colin Farrell is doing in this movie. I'm I'm less fine with the fact that it looks like the most 
half-ass David Fincher-ass color grading you've ever seen. Yeah. To the yeah, point like where the you weird, can like, green scenes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you uh. can barely tell that Daredevil's costume is red in those scenes. Yeah, it's. I, I, oh yeah, I think it looks this almost mo- like black. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah this mo- yeah. this movie ob- this I wanted to give this movie credit from the start for having like a defined style, as opposed to like where blockbuster films go after this, where it's obviously very gray and very murky. But this is. This is a bad style. They should have chosen a good one instead. Exactly. And then um, I think this movie, because of Bullseye, um, has the second most amount of Irish hate um, on this list. I um, mean, the, the, the Bullseye's the first... not a fan. Bullseye's first scene in this movie is like a Thatcher-level anti-Irish hate crime. Because it's literally yeah. a song called Top of the Morning to Ya sung by the guys who did jump around (laughs) (laughs) yeah this this sums up so much about this movie (laughs) yeah um i think the yeah like in terms of like main cast like everyone's doing like a serviceable job except in my opinion i don't know if this is controversial or not but um the the late great Michael Clark Duncan is like a menacing uh, William Fisk kingpin. I really loved him in that role. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, it's... Yeah. It is like the saving grace of this movie. Like he's a like oh he is he well, is like yeah. This movie made me miss Michael Clark Duncan a lot. Like it's yeah. He's he's, he's really he's really good in this. Um, he's a presence you don't realize you miss n- until you know you realize that he's gone. It's just that that reliable in a way where you don't even pick up on it until you don't have that presence anymore. Yeah, MTV had a short-lived Spider-Man animated series based on the movie with this like weird proto CGI that they seem to have like dusted off for Marvel's latest animated venture, What If, kind of. So um, d- d- and. Michael Clark Duncan reprises his role as a kingpin in that. Oh, that and it's, that's fun. Yeah. It's like one of two things I remember about the show between like that and that it was like weirdly dark for like a Spider-Man show and I was way too young for it. And it ends on like some cliffhanger where like an original character for the show was like brain dead and Spider-Man feels guilty and throws his costume away. I was the kid going, what the hell? Like it's... Yeah, also, I guess Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner um, famously start a relationship in the aftermath of this movie that I mean, goes on for a while. I mean, um, I don't know the timeline of this because he's with J-Lo until 03, 04. This shoots in 02. I don't know if he's cheating on J-Lo. I don't know if that's anything about that has come out. So I would assume that like there's some distance between them meeting on this and them getting together, which would make sense because they have no goddamn chemistry in this movie. So it would not make sense that they would be in love while filming it. What are you talking about? What about yeah. right before they fight and they do like a fighting game stance when he catches his cane? <laughs> if that's not chemistry, I don't know what is. I'll say this. I like Jennifer Garner. Like I'm a Jennifer Garner defender. Alias is really good. 13 going on 30 is really good. But, God, she does so many, like, mo- movies that are bad, and 
or ones that she's like this one i think she is just very much miscast in like electra and you know i'm more of a comics reader and we've already like shifted did Electra a lot and then her own movie tries to correct and they're like no she's an assassin again and she's like does ninja stuff but okay I um, I have a question Electra's uh, I have a question about Electra the the yeah. 2005 movie is that a prequel because I know they do like a little thing at the end of this where it's maybe hinted that she's still alive but I don't know if the movie Electra is like fully set like in a different timeline than this or what because i do not know anything about that uh, movie no, it it is a direct follow-up um she terence stamp revives electra and tries to train her to join to fight evil ninjas and then she runs off to become like an assassin for hire instead but then gets caught up in a fight with the evil ninjas anyways. Um, that is the premise of Electra. I mean, I, I admit that I admit that I was confused by whoever was playing her dad in this because I assumed from what little I'd heard about Electra that Terrence Stamp was her dad in that. But no, apparently not. No. He's just like her mentor. Um, I'll say... The Daredevil Netflix show has its ups and downs, and, like, now everyone copies. So we gotta do a long one-shot fight in a hallway, which... No, you you can do other things. It worked once, like... I mean, it it, on, it, but... it worked twice if you count old boy, but... Yeah, I was about okay, to say, yeah. I was like, that's probably what they're they're riffing off of. So it's like, you yeah, get at that I'll, point, you're getting to really... faded copies of a copy, so... Truly a Xerox of a Xerox, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll say their handling of Electra is, in my memory at least, kind of better. Also, because, like, this is a film that, like, does tries to do the whole Electra thing, including her big tragic death, death by Bullseye. But, like, in this movie, like, it doesn't really work because she and, like, Matt Murdock have just kind of met. Where the comics, at least, she's around for a while, but then also the backstory is they knew each other in college. And in this one, it's just like, oh, who... Yeah. Oh, who are you? Like, daughter of some heiress? And yeah, we're gonna have... Like gonna heiress or whatever who just happened to be trained. Yeah, we're gonna have a fight on a playground, and then we're gonna be in love, and then we're g I'm gonna get a sword stabbed through me. Yeah, she's... And he's like, oh, you're you're blind, but you're different. Like it's. I have not. I did not watch the director's cut for this. The, the theatrical cut feels extremely rushed through in this regard. Does the director's cut change that? Is it like? Is there anything else with them in it or not? Because I know the. Uh, ben, I'm not yeah. sure. Ben, which cut did you? I watched watch? the regular version. I did not watch the director's cut. I put on a version I thought was the regular one, but then Coolio showed up, and I'm like, oh no, this is the director's cut. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the main addition. That's what I hear is, like, the main improvement, is Coolio. And, like, yeah. much love it's to Coolio. It's a subplot where he and John Favreau, who is giving the exact same performance he gives in the Iron Man movie. Maybe he's the same character. <laughs> I mean, he's giving the same performance he gives in Solo, too, so... He's just, maybe he just is incapable of giving anything but this performance. Wait, unless he's, he's like doing. Wait, who, who is he play playing? Someone, solo? some annoying idiot in solo, like some CGI 
piece of shit out of Oh, okay. I was like, I, was like, just I like, don't remember him in Solo. Well, he dies pretty quickly, so he's like with oh, the Fandy okay. Newton, Woody Harrelson crew. Oh, okay. Oh, yes. John Favreau. Um, Annoying in this movie. Yeah, maybe he only does like the one performance. I, I also, yeah, also, pretty annoying on this film. He's just like, oh, what about the alligators in the sewers? What about the alligators in the sewers? I'm going to put mustard in your coffee. <laughs> yeah, it's... It's definitely, yeah, Wait. it's definitely, like, something that, like, it's not... It definitely would have been... You, you need a character, like, an actor with, like, a lot of... Much more, like, natural charisma to pull off the kind of character that he was trying to do. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, also, were you bringing... Yeah, were you bringing up... Ju- Joe Pan- Pantoliano right now. It's like oh yeah, well, we can get to Joe Pantoliano now. I I wanted more from Joe Pantoliano in this. I did not feel like I got sufficient Joey Pants, even though he's playing like a relatively major character. Yeah, I think there's a bit. There's definitely more Joey Pants stuff in a director's cut. Oh yeah, I never answered your question. The answer is the Electra stuff is still pretty rushed in it. Okay, so okay, so- like. It, there's maybe a bit more, but, like, it is... They really, if they wanted this to mean anything, like, should have just, I don't know, maybe ended with her alive, or... It also is, like, hard, because part of... In the comics, part of the conflict with Daredevil and Elektra is she's killing people, and that's not how he operates. But in this movie, he is straight up just killing people for much of it. Yeah, it's... I mean, yes, a guy... kill is so brutal. Yeah, it just leaves a guy on the train tracks. And there's a... The fun bit where you think that, like, they show the top half of his dead body. It's like, okay, they chickened out. And then they show he's missing his bottom half when he's on the stretcher. That's... That's... That's good. That's good stuff there. Yeah, that's a good bit. Oh, yeah, because their, like, big conception for Daredevil is... Because they're like... Oh, he's a lawyer and a superhero? How does that work? And their idea is, oh, when, like, they fails to, like, get people, like, put away, he just seeks out vigilante justice as Daredevil. It's, which, not the worst idea, um, not, there's more interesting stuff you can do with Daredevil, like, for example, very famously has a lot of Catholic guilt, which this film alludes to by just setting a couple scenes in churches. <laughs> yeah, he's got like two confessional scenes and then the old priest is like, helps him out of a jam. Yeah, and uh, this movie, you know, um, it sort of starts out with like his father, you know, the boxer and like that being a big part of his life. So like naturally Daredevil's weapon of choice would be batons. Naturally. <laughs> oh yeah, Ben, but Joey Pants. Ben Urich. Um, in the comics, Ben Urich is like another Daily Bugle guy, but because Sony had those rights tied up at the time, they just make him work for the New York Post. And he's like a reporter, and he goes around, and he's like, I think there's something to the Daredevil story. And then at the end, he learns his identity and almost reveals it, but doesn't. And then just writes like, I think the the real Daredevil is the friends we made along the way, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I think it should have the movie should have ended with his finger hovering of, above either the print or the delete button. Like that would be a good yeah. closing note, and obviously a great sequel. Hope. What you what you think that would be better than just a weird monologue? Which the Daredevil show also kind of winds up riffing on because in one of their most like derided scenes, it's something where like. Uh, Karen Page, who is barely a character in this movie, but is, like, a pretty big part of the show, 
Is she like there's a storyline? Is she a character in this movie? Oh, maybe she's just in the director's cut. She's like their secretary. Yeah, I do not think she is in the theatrical cut. Uh, yeah. Did, did you see Ellen Pompeo at all? She's played by Ellen Pompeo. Um, I think she might be in it for like a second. I do not believe okay, so. Okay, yeah, so she might just be in the director's cut or just as like some scenes. But like in the Netflix show, there's like a, a, a famous like scene where like sh- she's working as her secretary and then she's like, I need a new job. And then at the end of the season, it's just brought on as like a reporter with no experience and writes a big thing about what is a hero that's just clearly like your end of whatever voiceover but you're supposed to accept that this was something that ran in a newspaper and like it's a very similar beat to this film where you where like he just monologues some bullshit about like and yeah daredevil's maybe the hero in all of us um yeah yeah there's a uh, this movie is definitely like it's okay but like next to spider-man it just is a movie that like sort of like falters in almost every like category except i think for like the kingpin's performance i think that's like a wholly unique and like amazing part of this movie yeah i mean i'll give like colin farrell being like insane as well like it's a good reason to watch this um coolio is pretty good in the director's cut Okay, so I believe that there is a scene that is only in the director's cut, which I watched on YouTube, where Bullseye goes through airport security. Am I correct in this? I think it is. It, unless it's like an extended scene. I know he does, and like he has a paperclip in his mouth, but I, I think that's where it ends. Oh, wow. Because I watched the theatrical cut. I did not see it in there, but it is... I watched it on YouTube, and it's... Yeah, he's got a paperclip in his mouth. He's just like doing just like business. It's very... It's very interesting. Colin Farrell is just like deranged in this movie. He's just he's almost subverbal. He's just like <laughs> just doing that the whole time like a cartoon. And that that's the energy I want from this movie much more than whatever Ben Affleck is doing, which which sucks. He is so bad in this. He is yeah, so ben miscast. Is one I like a lot. Uh, yeah. Also very miscast and bad in this. Um some actors you, you can do good work when you take away the eyes. He cannot. Ben Affleck cannot. He's just he, he's just a stiff. He is just and and like no offense to him, I do not buy him as a lawyer or anybody other than some Boston layabout. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page, and apparently Vin Diesel was considered to play portray Daredevil as well. Um, that would have been amazing. <laughs> I don't know if that would have been a better choice, like <laughs> for a character, but it would be a lot better. Like, I think that. I mean, it would it would it would really lean into this person is not convincing as a lawyer in a way that would probably be more interesting than Ben Affleck's conception of that so it, it would make it harder to buy the scene where he's overpowered by kingpin towards the end of the film also like yeah if this movie has like one good thing it's the thing where like he goes to punch what he assumes is just like fat and then kingpin reveals that's all just muscle oh like, yeah <laughs> no he is he is hulking in this movie it is is that the that fight scene is amazing it's some like david and goliath type stuff it's amazing I'll say this, like, most Kingpin portrayals are good. Like, Vincent D'Onofrio is good. Um, Spider-Verse Kingpin, where he's just, like, this hulking figure is, like, really good. But, yeah, Michael Clark Duncan, like, I miss ya. Like, if 
if you if he was still around, I would hope that they'd be still trying to get him to do stuff. And yeah, I th think that's all I have to say about Daredevil. We've been doing less summaries here and more just uh, disjointedly talking around, but I think it's worth. Yeah, I, I yeah I like that. Um... Okay, I okay, I I I think I don't know if we talked specifically about the kiss. I should say I don't think the kiss itself is worthy of a nomination. I think the scene around it is more memorable than the kiss itself. Yeah, the light. But that's that's we talked about just a bit. Me. The rain stuff is cool. The actual kiss, it's like, okay, yeah, I see why this relationship didn't work out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there are like three kisses here that I think are really good and pivotal to their movies, and two, including this one, that are just like, okay, you had had to have five nominees this year, and you didn't include Scooby Doo, so, sure. Yeah, if we want to move, yeah, on to. Uh, I think the next movie on the docket would be Drumline. I Drumline. really appreciate movies that can get me like super hyped for like things i've never considered like marching pans i give a lot of credit to movies that can get me like yes absolutely yes. excited about about like two people having like a like giant drum off yeah um and well william you didn't yeah. finish this one did you get to the point where he drums on like the other rival bands like drums yes God, yes i did that is i made it up to that and him getting kicked out as a result and you're like the movie would honestly be better if it just ended there just no, but. yeah i mean yeah this should just be nick cannon just showboating while orlando jones is like mm, i don't know about this i just i i i really i could not will myself to finish after he leaves it's like okay how much more of this is of this is there gonna be in this movie how much is Nick Cannon not going to be at a drum just showing you, off? I think yeah. at that point, I think you missed, like, the big reveal that um, Nick Cannon's character can't read sheet music. Oh, no, 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 no. That's earlier. That's er Because he, he, he... No, after he gets kicked off is where he, like, starts turning his act around. <laughs> well, first, after the rival team tries to recruit him and he realizes they only want to steal Orlando Jones's elaborate routines. Yeah, I think this movie um, works as a sort of a lovely sister movie to um, A Knight's Tale, where it is a, is a sports movie lacking a sport. Um, I guess marching band's kind of a sport, but like a traditional like sport we consider nowadays. Yeah, it reminded me of like I mean, obviously, um, Ben and I are both Canadians, and I don't know how big marching band is like actually is beyond just in the movies people going I'm joining the marching band, but I like so I don't know how big that is in the U.S. like or, but I cannot imagine like is it is it a big deal like. Is, you will not be able to get an answer from me on that. <laughs> okay. Like, this feels like Pitch Perfect, where they're like, oh yeah, everyone cares about acapella. Or yeah. <laughs> at least enough that you can do big tournaments. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It. That's such a good comparison. Like, another good comparison to, like, Pitch Perfect is that, like, I kind of, like, whenever there's, like, the two bands doing, like, the like the band off, I don't really know how you evaluate who won. It kind of just seems like it's, like, the people that went last. But, like... It'll be, like, a thing in, like, Pitch Perfect and in this movie where, like, they're going back and forth and, like, I'll be like, 
okay, but like the one you did before was like kind of cooler. Like I don't know how these are being graded. Yeah, it's it seems to come down to the idea that um I don't yeah don't know how much you care about spoilers for the end of the film, William. So just cover your ears if it matters. But I think I can guess okay. where the story goes from here. Yeah. So like he yeah. So of course he mends his like of course at this point he take after he gets kicked off the team for being a showboat. He and turns down the offer to join the rival team when he realizes that he does want to care about this after all. He mends his relationship with the rival, like, third-year third student on the team who's, who's, who's never liked him that much, and they work together on some new stuff, and he helps in the team in an advisory capacity until he's allowed to, like, participate in the final showdown in the big marching man march-off, and the rival and the rival band like goes and does a performance that ends with them playing on on their drums to like merely insult the start of the big fight earlier and then they do their routine and they make it look like they're gonna play on their drums again but instead they just throw the sticks on the face and everyone go in their face and everyone goes yeah that's the respectful way to do it <laughs> like yeah um i also i really appreciate a movie like a movie kind of like this that sort of ends immediately after that like it ends immediately after that scene i don't really think i gain everything gain anything from like the scene that happens like post like the big fight where it's like everyone going like ah man going to class tomorrow like i usually don't gain anything from those scenes and i'm glad this movie just like ended on such a high hype note oh yeah yeah you like want to end like well well you still have people it's like oh cool they won the big competition um yeah, um, so the kiss in this movie is, like, the romance subplot in this movie between, like, Nick Cannon's character and, um, uh, Zoe, uh, Sal- Saldana, right? Saldana. It's Saldana. Saldana. Yeah, yes. Saldana, um, is, like, it's definitely given, like, time, but, like, you didn't come here for the romance, you came here for the drums. Yeah, like, the kiss I honestly did not even remember until I had to put together the clips yeah. to, like, send to William as a, here's, here's what you're judging, but, like, it's, and then I'm like, oh, this is pretty good, but it's... Is it the one at the party? Yes, yes, it's the one it's at the a, party. Yeah, it's not a bad kiss. I mean, I like, I like the kiss. I would definitely put it above the Daredevil oh, yeah. kiss. And, like, at least one other kiss to yeah, come. Yeah, no, it is... Yeah, I think I I especially like how like gradually it develops, you know, because they start with the people performing at the party, and then it kind of slowly fades into just them about yeah. to kiss. I, yeah, I like that. It's... I mean, I think overall in in the that scene and in every scene, this is like an astoundingly well directed movie, and that's what I really take from it more than like anything about it on yeah, a script the level. In this movie is like it's kind of strange because it's just kind of on top of everything like it's the romance in this movie i at least i don't believe is like used for anything in the plot like it's not used as like an ultimatum or it's not used in like yeah it's just like here here's what else is going on there's yeah, like it's like a subplot. Exactly. there's there's tension after he's kicked off and she doesn't want to like introduce him to her parents because she's like you look like an ass out there like it's just like i'm she's like i'm embarrassed but then I'm not even sure if that resolves much other than, like, he just kind of makes it up to her when he's, like, reforming, like... Yeah, but no, um, but no, it's not, it's not even done poorly, it's just, like, yeah, it's just kind of on top of everything, um, yeah, 
But Drumline, yeah, it's like it's your classic sports movie. Just replace like big football hits or like home run bat swings with like guys hitting drums and people dancing. Yeah, and instead of like you know the young, the young like hotshot talent being like some kind of shy underdog you want to root for, expect him to be overly cocky, and you go just waiting for him to like get dressed down over and over until he finally goes, okay, yeah, I get it. Like it's, yeah, yeah, definitely like a inverse trope like that. Orlando Jones is really good in it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Playing like the tough. Again, in the sports family, it's like he's a coach, but here, like, it's he's like a doctor, and he takes it very seriously, and he puts him through, like, marching band boot camp, which, that's something where I'm like, there's no way this is a real <laughs> Yeah, thing. it's, like, I was so confused, like, is, like, is drumline, is, like, drumming, is, like, most of your school, like, like, working out? I thought it would be other stuff. I guess that's, like, important. I guess it's, like... Um, important to that. Also, a quick, like, side note. On the Wikipedia page for, like, MTV Movie Kiss Awards, if you click on Drumline, it's, like, not the movie, but, like, the concept Wikipedia page. Yeah, it's... Someone made a mistake there. (laughs) We could probably change it, but... Eh. I might might do Um, that just to to help out, you know. I quite enjoyed this movie. I think, you know, it did pretty good. It was a really... There's a subplot about, like, a white guy who's, like, pretty good, but then just overcompensates and, in the end, fights for his place to be in the drumline in the final. Yeah, he's kind of the token white guy, you know, um, kind of in this movie. Is that the actor known as GQ? I believe it is. I believe that is the... I believe that character is played by an actor whose name is GQ. Uh, yes, I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I've seen him in other places, though, but I can't put my finger on it. Uh, His selected filmography is not that long, big. Or... If you've seen, if you've seen the Lance Bass Joey Fatone rom com on the line, then you've you've seen his work. <laughs> I, wonder, I might just be confusing him with somebody who looks kind of similar. I mean, yeah, he's a very like, yeah, sure, this, you look like. Ten yeah, other exactly. people behind oh, the guy. Oh, of course, man. All white men look the same to you. <laughs> Listen. A white guy. That's, I, I should clarify that. I'm like, oh, people have seen it on the art. It's yeah, fine. exactly. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I guess uh, they don't know. Um, but, yeah. Good movie. Got me, like, if you want a movie that's going to get you, like, hyped about drumming. As someone who is who has seen all three Pitch Perfect movies... Um, like a couple times and as much as I love those movies those movies didn't get me as hyped about like acapella singing or by the third one just regular like band singing as this one got me super hyped about like drumming the third pitch perfect really doesn't have an idea beyond oh wait what do you do once the music is stopped and you're out of (laughs) Well, the answer is obviously a spy subplot. John Lithgow. John Lithgow is in Pitch Perfect 3? He plays Rebel Wilson's father, who's like a criminal, and he puts on an Australian accent. (laughs) (laughs) It might be the answer to John Lithgow, when is he bad, except he's really funny. (laughs) (laughs) The Pitch Perfect movies are pretty good. Who co-wrote Pitch Perfect 3? Mike White. Obviously now 
creator of the White Lotus, previously enlightened in School of Rock. Uh, yeah. And he also he wrote Pitch Perfect 3 and the Emoji movie the same year. He also is a Survivor contestant, I think. Yeah, a Survivor and Amazing Race yeah, contestant. He was fun on Survivor. And he also plays a reality show contestant in the 2004 Stepford Wives uh. remake, where the whole plot is set into motion by him attempting to assassinate Nicole Kidman. Wow, maybe I should watch the Stepford Wives remake. I mean, the the timing also suggests that being playing that part on the Stepford Wives encouraged him to actually compete on those reality shows. So it's an important part of media history, and it's not it's not bad. A lot of people say it is, but I do not think it is totally bad. No, uh, could be good. I don't know. Uh, yeah, Mike White. Nothing to do with any of these movies, but hey. I mean, was school was School of Rock eligible this year or next year? Yeah, it's really tough. I'm not. I'm actually not quite sure when the cutoff is. Oh no, no. I think it's it's next year because oh, it's October yeah, yeah. three. So okay, yeah. Up next, we got Gangs of New York. Yeah, a movie I think is very great in most areas except the romance. Yeah, I think I remember. Um, I I asked my friend um Ian about this. I'm like, hey, like I need to watch like Gangs of New York. Do you want to watch it like together? And he's like, oh yeah, no, I love that movie. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm watching it for like the Kiss podcast. He's like, oh yeah, Cameron Diaz <laughs> is probably like the worst part about that movie, <laughs> and like the like the subplot with like everything. It is a like yeah a, a pretty good movie. It's like it's it's really long, but like that's like that's uh that's Scorsese for you. This one I watched traditionally. I didn't watch it at two times speed. I watched it like a regular person. I'm sure I'm sure Scorsese thanks you for that. You know, I watched it like a regular person, taking several bathroom breaks, coming back and going, "Hey guys, what did I miss?" <laughs> and having them summarize it for me really fast. <laughs> This is why you're the kissing expert. <laughs> exactly. Before this, I had probably seen five movies total. Um. <laughs> yeah, you're like, a movie? What's that? Five movies total, and one of them was just Smallfoot. <laughs> oh, I love Smallfoot, man. I don't even know if that yeah. movie had a kiss. I don't think it did. Gangs in New York, which, yeah, I was really taken by this film um it's i like the thing of because initially uh it's like gangs in new york i'm like oh is this gonna go into the that's gorsese only makes the mobster films thing but in, when in fact it's like set in uh like pre-civil war to civil war era new york city it's just focused on street gangs and is about the and it's just like a striking film about like holding on to like that kind of old Trying to hold on to the old ways of let's duke out out in the streets as the world is literally changing around them to the point where the climatic battle is interrupted by just like a race riot. Like it's yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, this movie is like visceral at points. I think we can probably get it out of the way early. Um, the kiss and romance is kind of the worst part of this. It's very similar to Drumline, where like it's on top. But instead of it like feeling additive to any of it, it kind of is just, it's not, none of it's required. It'll trick you into thinking it's required because like Cameron Diaz's character has like relations with like the main antagonist. But like, oh my gosh, is that not required at all for Leonardo DiCaprio's character to like feel motivated to like, like want to fight him too. 
I mean, yes, he, he already has ample reasons. He has ample reasons to want to kill Daniel Day-Lewis in this. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem like a good guy. Yeah, also, yeah, what a great performance. I really liked um, Daniel Day-Lewis in this movie. He, oh my he, god. Like, he does such a good job in this. I mean, yeah. I mean, he, he, he's got this amazing line in it, which I will recite almost verbatim, I believe. I don't give a two-penny fuck about your moral quandary, you meat-headed oh, shit sack. And he really, he makes a meal. It's just, it's such good ham. He's just going, he's having really so much good. fun. Yeah, just like a, a lightning fast summary of this one, because it is like a two hour and 40 minute movie. But um, yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio's character is the son of like a rival sort of gang to um, the main antagonist gang, like really early on. Um it's play, played by Liam Neeson, too. And then Daniel Day-Lewis kills Liam Neeson in front of Leonardo DiCaprio as a child character whose name's Amsterdam. And then the entire movie is just, like, him trying to, like, gain, like, um, social standing with Daniel Day-Lewis so he can assassinate him, like, in front of everybody. Because, like, he doesn't want to just, like, kill him like a thief in the night. He wants to, like... He wants to, like, dethrone the king in front of his entire, like, kingdom. So naturally they bond a bit. Um, there's betrayal. Yeah, there's betrayal. And then, like, there's this whole, like, undertone of, like, of course, like, racism at the time. This was, like, the time of Lincoln's presidency. So, like, there's a lot of, like, um... Oh, what happened during that? Um, oh, there's this, uh, <laughs> little thing called slavery. Eee. Um, <laughs> so, like... through God... It, yeah, weirdly, the guy, yeah, the guy in charge really looked a lot yeah. like Bill the Butcher. I don't know why. There's also like um, Irish immigrants coming in, and there's like a lot of like politicking going on, where like one of the guys is like, I don't really care about these people, but their votes, you know, um, you know, immigration, an issue that definitely is not continuing to be um, something people debate about. Definitely something that was only a problem. Or only an issue people cared about 200 years ago. Um, John C. Riley is there again in another role that you would not expect John C. Riley to be in necessarily. Oh yeah, he does. Like, yeah, playing like the Irish policeman. That's he does do a really it, good job. Like, yeah. Well, yeah. It, he he does the he does the thing where he puts his his watch on the lamp. He's like, if I, I when I come back for this watch, it will still be here. That's like really stuck in my head from this yeah, movie. It, it makes more sense than him playing, like, the newspaper editor and never been kissed. Like, it's... Oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, that's, like, a weird ill-fitting role, like, considering, like, seeing him in this. Because, like, in that movie, I'm like, oh, John C. Riley. Oh, okay, that's weird. But in this movie, like, that almost melts away entirely and he becomes his character. Yeah, so, yeah, this movie's just about, like, him, like, trying to, like... And then at... at there's, like, an opportune point where he's gonna throw a knife at him. And then in, like, an insanely cool sequence, um, Danny DeLuce's character, like, deflects the knife and then throws a different knife back at him. Uh, it's such a, it's such a, and then he also, like, sets a table on fire in the process. It is, it is a cool scene. If you, if you are not going to sit through this movie, um, because it is quite long, just look up that scene and, like, oh my gosh, I wish this was a a best knife throwing list and not a best kiss list well i'll say look this thing's long but it, it's worth it i mean the romance is bad oh yeah at one point oh yeah there's the reason cameron Diaz is there because like it's so i gave him you don't have to do this just come to san francisco with me 
like we can like leave together and he's like nah i'm gonna go like do do a big fight and r revive oh yeah because the name of the gang he his dad was a part of is called the dead rabbits cool name for yeah. a gang honestly yeah but, oh yeah all the gangs had really cool names but then he does like go to san francisco in the end anyways like maybe if it was just she's like okay no i'm going without you and he has to like just stay in like burn down new york at the end yeah be... that would be like a decent payoff for that um i yeah if if they did like the white man can't jump nah i'm like sick of your bullshit exactly listen scorsese Take a couple of notes from White Man Can't Jump, okay? I, I understand you're an amateur guy. I get it. It's totally fine. But, like, there are better movies to draw inspiration from, you know? Yeah, yeah. Powell and Pressburger, you know, who gives a shit? But White Men Can't Jump. If it's good enough for Stanley Kubrick, it's it's good enough for old, old Marty. But, yeah, it culminates. And, again, as we alluded to, like, it's a big gang, gang battle that just happens to fall in the real-life New York draft riots, where, um, it has, it's definitely an interesting thing on the Civil War, where part of it is all the racist people, but there is kind of a resentment of, oh, war is for rich people, why are they drafting us, like, poor people into it? Like, it's... I just, I just love a, I just love a movie where it's like you have one story going on, and then in the background there's like major historical events occurring, and often the two will meet. When they're mirroring the beginning, and then the cannons just start going off, like it's so good. Yeah, it's like, it's oh such like God. a like, like it's such a nice contrast to like the beginning of the movie and like showing like how much like the world is changing and has changed. That like there aren't just there aren't just yeah. like gang fights anymore. They're like there's like an actual divide in the country that is like escalating to these like astronomical things. Yeah, and then a lot of the gangs aren't gang members are killed, but not by like each other, but by just like soldiers and gunfire that's coming from them trying to quell these riots. And but then by this point, DiCaprio and like Day Lewis are just so. Oh yeah, we, we haven't mentioned this. Leonardo DiCaprio's character is named Amsterdam, and Daniel Day-Lewis is playing Bill the Butcher. So just cool protagonist names. They have a big fight. Like eventually, Shrapnel gets Bill, and Leonardo DiCaprio like just gives him the honorable like death of his father's knife. And Daniel Day-Lewis says another just really cool thing where he's like, "Thank God, I die a true American." before he gets just brutally stabbed to death. Like yeah, this movie, it builds and builds and builds, and it's definitely worth, like, the payoff at the end. Yeah, and then it has this powerful ending that definitely didn't cause anyone any headaches, where he they, like, bury Bill in the cemetery next to his father, and then they leave to go to San Francisco, and then the skyline just... Like, it's DiCaprio narrating that, oh, you know, New York... That, oh, New York changed, but and they were, like, part of it. And you see the, the cemetery's forgotten, and the skyline just kind of, like, changes, and it's bu built up, and you see all the things. Ending with, of course, the World Trade Center, and me just sitting there going, wait, is this going to change again, or are they going to leave <laughs> yeah, it? I was like, really wondering, too. Uh, it's a moment of tension, exactly. but they decide to leave it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's 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 a state. It's a definite statement to leave it that way, especially with how many movies were yeah. erasing the Twin Towers from yeah, backgrounds yeah, of shots. New York definitely like it stands out this year. I would say 
something that's more at home on like the Oscars than it is like the MTV Movie Awards Best Kiss list. Uh. <laughs> it's really funny this got a Best Kiss nomination. Did it get other nominations? No, I think it got it actually got snubbed out by Scooby Doo, if I remember right. All right, I'm looking through the differences of. Oh, Daniel Day Lewis got a Best Villain nomination. Oh uh, yeah, as did Defoe. And Colin Farrell. So big year for best yeah, villains. Yeah, good year for um, villains. But they lost to Dave A. Chase in The Ring. Uh, oh. She's a child. What are you giving her an award for? What are you going to do with that? Come on. Give it oh. Give it to Give it to DDL. Yeah, this is an anti-children-winning like children winning awards podcast. <laughs> exactly. Except for My Girl, of course. Um, oh, but yeah. He um, got stung by bees and died to get that. So, like, it's it's deserved. Yeah, yeah. Maybe if Dave Chaser got stung by bees at the end of the ring. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I, I, I just want to say, I how much of how much of the ring is Dave Chase really in? Is she doing the crawling out it, of the TV? I'll I don't think she is. Here, just... I think that's a yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna be honest. I haven't seen it either. I just know she crawls out of the TV, and I know that that's probably not her. They cover her face. I know. Yeah, Gangs of New York. Definitely, like, a weird one out of this list. Probably, like, the most strange. Also has, like, the worst kiss, but is probably one of, like, the better movies on this list. Uh, yeah, Cameron Diaz will go on to be nominated one last time for The Holiday in several years. Um, for... I would assume that's a better kiss than this one. Just Fingers like crossed. Hopefully that movie has significantly less, um, Irish hate and union splitting um (laughs) i mean in its own way cameron diaz cast as irish is again an anti-irish hate crime on par with the house of pain song and daredevil yeah a lot of themes in this like year stuff from new york because even in drumline nick cannon is like from new york and goes to the south or (laughs) yeah 2003 mtv movie awards love new york and hate the irish just but now we get to the number fi- another film, a bit odd in the context of the MTV Movie Awards, but you know what? It's a masterpiece, so Punch Drunk Love, here yeah, we come. I was so shocked by this movie, because like, the last one we watched, or the last one at least that I watched for this podcast, um, was The uh, Wedding Singer. So I was like going in like kind of expecting like a similar type movie, but I instead got a... like radically different movie that i enjoyed thoroughly oh i i cannot imagine going into this movie expecting an adam sandler movie and but like a lot of people did and they hated it for that so yeah on this film directed by paul thomas anderson um director of stuff like phantom fred the master there will be blood boogie nights just I'm sure a lot of other things. I'm not going to run through the whole filmography here, but this is his one Best Kiss nominee. Um, unlike Scorsese, who got two with Cape Fear and Gangs of New York. <laughs> two. PTA could only pull it off the Martin one. Martin Scorsese, like, you need to work on your kiss game. Like, those are probably the two worst kisses in this entire list. I mean, Cape Fear's kiss is effective in context. It's just fucked up that That's it got fair. nominated for this. <laughs> yeah. It is an effective kiss, you know. 
They should have nominated Wolf of Wall Street. I'm sure there was a kiss in that they could have thrown there somewhere. Oh, yeah, a quick Wolf of, Wolf of Wall Street tangent. I remember I tried to watch it because um, I was in, like, a Discord group and, like, somebody was just streaming it. And I just couldn't do it because the, the lag was too bad. And I was like, it was also, like, 4 a.m. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to yeah. wake up. At, I don't want to go to bed at 7. <laughs> just to watch, like, poor quality Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> And just watch Leo try to open his car with his foot in, like, 240p. Exactly. Oh, but yeah, um, Punch Trunk Love. What a great movie. Absolutely. It's it's my favorite Paul Thomas Anderson, maybe by far. Yeah, the, this is what you were alluding to as, like, kind of, a, the, like, being sort of the expert, right? For, like, Paul Thomas Anderson? or the... I mean, I, I suppose, yeah, relative to... Other things, yes, I'm I'm a big Paul Thomas Anderson fan. This is my favorite, but I think he hasn't made a bad movie. But this this stands tall among them all. It's just it's just a perfect. Um, so thing. which there are a couple kisses in this movie. Which kiss in particular is like the kiss? I'm gonna assume it's the one where it's mostly silhouetted. That's on the poster on the Wikipedia page. Really, I that is like. That would have been, like, the last guess on my list, just because, like, the first kiss is, like, when he's, like, running after is so good. And then, like, the ending kiss is also, like, really, really sweet. Yeah. Maybe MTV went with a different yeah, one. Yeah, I, I, I... It's always a good sign when we're, like, all these kisses are good. Like, it's... Oh, yeah. These are all, like, wonderful, wonderful kisses. Absolutely. And so crucial to the effect of the movie, because it's so stressful otherwise. And you need this relief of tension. Yeah to really make it like feel worth the effort yeah this movie like i kind of like i think i only have like four notes because like i had just like the three kisses and then like this movie like it does that thing where like there's like constantly like noise in the background that just like puts you at such unease like there's like very little very few quiet moments like except like during like like the the scenes like with like um between like the two like love interests i mean yeah the score is so particularly the score is so effective in that because it's it barely sounds like score it's just like weird racket and noises that sound yeah. like they could be coming from it the just, movie it just sounds like busyness it just sounds like clutter that's like all it sounds like it's so effective at like conveying like the amount of like stress that is supposed to be felt in those scenes oh yeah for sure um i remember watching it like because i wound up watching it in a double feature with um another movie i know that like william and i both love a lot called avalon which is like another like kind of oh yes yes yeah so like avalon uh yeah really when is this like big epic like family saga of like these jewish immigrants to like america and kind of their history and how they like full yeah and how it sort of falls apart over time um directed directed by the fa- the father of the guy who would go on to create Euphoria and Malcolm and Marie. Um, and also a lot of much worse movies. Yeah. yeah. I, Barry Levinson, arg- maybe a bad director other than a few movies, Avalon included, which is one of the greatest movies yeah. ever made. Look, if you make Avalon, you can go make us make bad movies for the rest of your life for all I care. Like, it's... And, and you can have a son that arguably has made I mean, the culture yeah. worse through some things. But it's, but, but yeah, so I watched that. I'm like, this is a masterpiece. I'm like, I don't, like, I, I'm like, I'll give Punch Drunk Love a shot, but 
will it compare? And oh boy, did it. Like, ooh, just... I mean, the, yeah, talk about two movies in completely different registers and tones. Because one is so, you know, sweeping and epic. And this is just so internal to the point of extreme yeah, it's claustrophobic yeah it's absolutely it's, yeah, it's um, a very different vibe it's very yeah, it, intense it's like, um it's it like definitely very... doing the fingers over the eyes at a few key points where i was like ah yeah it's very much like a it's it, it it can be genuinely hard to watch at times but it can also be extremely funny and like very emotional elsewhere yeah like for those our listeners who are big adam sandler fans um, for like the amount of like tenseness in this movie, um, imagine uncut gems, except like Adam Sandler's character can't handle what's happening right now. Um, um and he gets a better ending. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? What could, what happens at the end of uncut gems? <laughs> you're, yeah, you're like, Oh, he won. What else is there to see? Turn the movie off. Just... <laughs> Oh my gosh! Look, if we if we want to get into my if we want to get into my uncut gems take that that ending is unambiguously triumphant, then we can get into it. But otherwise, I would agree that Punch Drunk Love yeah, is a more conventionally yeah, happy absolutely. ending for him. I guess I mean yeah. if you're looking at it, uh, he like dies at like the greatest moment of his life, and sure, yeah, it's a triumph. It's... I mean, I'd say the only person that ending is absolutely. A bad one for his Bogosian, but we 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 must get yeah, off on uh, sorry for the before gems, I get too into yeah, it. Well, uh, if I'm editing this, I will put uh, an additional addendum at the beginning because yeah, that is a wonderful movie. Yeah, um, watch Uncut Gems, watch Punch Drunk Club. In that order. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The sort of. I mean this this seems like just a souffle in comparison to Uncut Gems. Yeah. It's, yeah, and absolutely. watch Grown Ups too, of course. The other it's, like Adam Sandler, like masterpiece. yeah, truly the the Adam Sandler like trifecta trinity. The um, <laughs> uncut I realize gems. this is gonna sound like sarcasm, but like Ben and I are actually both really into like yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, well, William knows I like Grown Ups too, but like this to the listener, this is not sarcasm. Grown Ups two is good, and you should watch it. <laughs> absolutely. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. For those people who are listening. Uh, that haven't seen Punch Drunk Love. It's essentially about like a Adam Sandler's character who like runs his own business that is like going through some like very heavily like mental illness type stuff. Um, like he's very like stressed out about everything. He has like like a lot of sisters that are like constantly like pestering him about like finding someone or like how how is like your job doing. And this sort of um, all like gets to him. And then he eventually like, calls like a sex line that he gives like a bunch of information to that then ends up like pursuing him for money and like trying to like ruin his life. <laughs> um, and in the process of this, like he meets he meets a girl that like he really like hits it off with played by Emily Watson. Um, and the, the movie is just sort of in 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 two parts sort of this like hyper stressful like intense like uh i don't even like sometimes even like a thriller-esque and like this incredibly lovely romance story oh yeah yeah it's i the talking points about it are obviously that it's like so uncomfortable to watch but i find it really like beautiful and kind of life-affirming in its own way 
it's um, ultimately a movie just about how love will save you from the worst aspects of yourself. I think that's really beautiful, yeah. especially with how much stress the movie puts you through before it gets to that point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how like how like love can like make you the best version of yourself. Um. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's a villain, like, I think it's, like, easy to summarize, but also hard to just get all the feelings of it, because so much is just in his head, and, like... I just, before we continue, you did neglect to mention that he is a rampant collector of pudding as a way of getting frequent fire miles. Oh, yeah, he can fly via, like, spending both... Because he buys so much pudding. <laughs> yes. But he, he doesn't seem to enjoy the pudding. He certainly doesn't eat it. He just, he just... The pudding is the cheapest way to get the miles... So, and th- th- I don't know if either of you know this, that is based on a true person. That, like, Paul Thomas Anderson saw that guy who actually, like, bought all this pudding on the news and was like, I'll make a movie about a guy kind of <laughs> like this. Wow. Um, what a good inspiration. Oh, but yeah. Speaking of actors we miss a lot, Philip Seymour Hoffman playing Dean oh. Trumbull the Mattress Man. Uh, just... Oh yes, yeah. one of the one of the great villain performances of the century. He's such a just a bully, not even like like an like an evil person. Just like he's just a dick, yeah. and he he just enjoys being a dick. Yeah, this movie has like such a nice like contrast of like incredibly uncomfortable and just like so much like relief, you know. Um, like even like the more triumphant scenes where like he where Adam Sandler's like confronting like the mattress man like even those are like super tense but like there's like a good like triumphant aftermath to them yeah it's very good when like he goes to like confront him and initially like he's trying to intimidate him and then he learns he's come all the way from like California or whatever and he's like Oh, no, you're crazy. Ah. Also, when he fights... Oh, when he fights the brothers, yeah, with the <laughs> with the tire jack. Yeah. yeah, after, like, Emily Watson gets kind of injured in, like, because they ram, like, the car and things in. That's kind of what brings it to a head and gives him the courage to just stand up to this guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Small, small side tangent about uh, Daredevil. Um, I really like the scene where he's doing like a car crash interrogation. That's just that just reminded me of that. Um, the scene in Daredevil where he like handcuffs a guy with a pacemaker to his car and then just starts ramming it back and forth between two cars as a form of interrogation. I'm glad we're talking about Daredevil more. Like, <laughs> Spider Man would never. <laughs> God, um. Yeah, if we want to get into our movie and kiss rankings, unless we have any more to say about uh, Punch Drunk Love, it's it's kind of difficult. Like when a movie is like so great, there's like not a lot to like critique about it or to even like really say about it other than like it's fantastic. Yeah, that's the th- thing with this. Uh, yeah, I think the movies we love the most sometimes we don't always give as much attention attention to or even. Like, our, on our last episode, like, what, we talked about not another teen movie for, like, 40 minutes and Moulin Rouge for, like, half of that? Something like that, Ben? Like, it's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's, like, really, like, indescribable. Like, definitely go into this understanding, like, this is not, like, an Adam Sandler movie. Um, like, this is a, a incredibly uncomfortable but, like, soothing at the same time movie. Yeah, um... 
Adam Sandler is someone I think gets written off a lot because of like his his films, but he's a very good actor. He's good at what he does. It, and yeah, it is nice. To, it is fun that like he is enough power that he can just have his own production company and make movies that yeah let him travel around with his friends like but if you can do that all the power to you like it's but yeah exactly yeah he's doing his thing and like everyone in hollywood says he's like the nicest guy so you know good good for him for maintaining that all throughout like his success and now like getting more into dramatic parts with gems and meyerwitz stories which Anybody listening to this who has not seen Meyerowitz stories absolutely should. That is maybe my second favorite Sandler performance after Gems. He is so wonderful. Oh yeah, it. he's very good in the yeah Meyerowitz stories. Sandler's Netflix thing is fun, funny because there's like some there's some films on there that's like a part of his deal, and then there's also the dramatic ones I think get lumped in. So it's like oh yeah, Adam Sandler on Netflix has given us Hubie Halloween and Uncut Gems. Um, yeah, two things of definitely equal quality. Hubie Halloween also very good. Yes, yes. And Sandy Wexler and The Week Of. Those yeah. all get high recommendations. Yeah, pretty much once he's... Most of his ne- most of the Sandler Netflix films after Ridiculous 6 and The Do-Over are good to great, so... I... Yeah, it's just... Don't, yeah. don't watch The Do-Over. I don't need to rewatch it, but I remember actually being like... Except for like a few like suspect scenes i actually kind of think i enjoyed the ridiculous six i think it had some good moments ridiculous six is not not off well maybe it's awful but it's like it's it's racist it's very racist but there's like two very funny scenes in it which i is think that's like probably what i'm remembering better than I think, the do-over yeah. the do-over trades racism for misogyny and has no laughs at all so you yeah. know not really get much out of that one yeah um yeah i think um for this list i think we can go into our best movies i understand that um the narrator you haven't seen um i don't think you've seen all these fully but um that's totally fine for the ones that you have seen or the You've probably seen enough that you can do, like, an accurate ranking of them. Yeah, exactly. Um, I feel like seeing, like, half of Drumline, like, it's a sports movie, honestly. Like, half of the scenes in every sports movie is, like, them doing the thing. Um, so I don't feel like you missed a lot there. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna finish it after I do this. Yeah, I honestly, just... it, it sticks to the landing really well. Yeah. But yeah, um... So I think my best movies would probably go in the order at the bottom. Um, I hate to do this, but the bottom would have to be Daredevil. As much as, as a kid, I absolutely loved, like, the two flaming Ds. I thought that was so cool in that one subway scene. Um, Above that, I would have to say uh, Drumline. Uh, Very, like, fun movie. Like, got me really hyped. But, like, after, like, sitting on it, it's like, I don't know if I'm ever going to watch that again. And then above that, we have Gangs of New York, a very a long movie. I would say that it definitely feels very long, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. I still really enjoyed it. And then um, sort of the top two contenders, I would have to say that I think Punch Drunk Love probably beats out Spider-Man um, for my very top spot. Just because I was so, like, the, the combination of, like, it being such a tense 
like, and also, like, very nice movie on top of, like, the whiplash I got from, like, thinking it was going to be, like, a, a wedding singer type movie. Um, I got really elevated that. Yeah, um, I think I have the, I think I have that in, like, the same, same order, Daredevil at the bottom, um, look, it's, I mean, at the very least, the director's cut is almost a kind of decent movie, but it, just no, I'm not, when you're not, when you're up against like these other films, it's just really the bottom is like the correct spot. Um, then uh yeah, then Drumline, uh, good good film. Um, just you know not not quite up to the other ones. Then Gangs of New York, which I loved a lot and honestly did not feel that runtime though I also wound up watching it over two days so maybe that was part of it that I like had to take a break for one of them in but yeah bad romance great movie then Sp- then Spider-Man um very important movie to me as a kid but Punch Drunk Love is just kind of undeniable for that top slot there I think um, yeah so William you want to give your movie rankings this is just the movies like on their own without like the the kiss ranking is a separate thing Okay. All right. Um, bottom Daredevil. I do not have the relatively nice things you have to say about Daredevil being at the bottom. I think it sucks and is bad. Has some good. Has two good performances in it, and otherwise is just like a loss. Then, uh, I suppose the hour and thirteen minutes I watched of Drumline would go that above that, and then. Not including Spider-Man in this because it's been so long, but then it would be Gangs of New York, very good movie, and then Punch Drunk Love, which is just like one of the greatest movies ever made. Yeah, but how how does it shake up for like kissing? Yeah, so um, not probably a big surprise that the bottom kiss for me would be the Gangs of New York one. Um, it's a good movie, just, like, the kiss and, like, the whole, like, love, like, side plot, just, like, it's not, it doesn't do anything. It's, it's, and in, instead of being sort of, like, this fun addition, like, the, like, the love story and, like, drumline, it ends up being this thing that, like, I wish less time was spent towards it. Because um, I feel like it doesn't, it doesn't pay off very good. I guess it is used as sort of a device for him to go to, it was, um, California. But he could have just done that anyway. Um, that could have just been like an aspiration or like something that he conflicted with on his own accord. Um, above that would be... Uh, these these next two are super duper close. Honestly, they're pretty interchangeable. But I think the drumline one beats out the Daredevil one just like a little bit in that it, like, it feels like a very real kiss. Like, it is, it's very, like, impassioned. It's during, like, a really, like, lovely scene. And the Daredevil one is, like, very visually interesting. But kind of like William said, like, the kiss itself is kind of eh. Whereas, like, the visuals around it are really, really cool. Um, and then, again, I would say that the Punch Drunk Love kiss, um, any three of them, honestly, like, sort of outdo the Spider-Man kiss. Even though it's an upside-down rain one. I feel like it's iconic, but, like, the Punch Drunk Love one is just so... The silhouette, it... It is not iconic, but it should be. Yeah, some of, yeah, some of my kiss, kiss rankings, it's... 
again, Gangs of New York on the bottom, like, like, Cameron Diaz, you know, definitely has better performances, um, has definitely had better kisses, and Leonardo DiCaprio, well, great performance, but again, also has had, like, better kisses. Yeah, after that, I'll, I'll say I'll put the Daredevil kiss above Drumline, probably, though, like, again, it's it's close. Uh, or, actually, nah. I'll, nah, scratch that. Drum, drumline's better, because, like, it's... Saldana and Cannon have, like, way better chemistry than, um, Affleck and Garner, which, yeah, is, again, considering the history between them. Yeah, it, having better chemistry than the actual married couple of the two. Yeah. The, the but then again, are. everything you hear from Jennifer Garner about that relationship is, uh-oh. So, yeah. I guess Daredevil was a premonition of what to come. Yeah, basically. it's So Nick Cannon and Zoe Saldana, yeah, can get the edge over that. The Daredevil kiss, again, the, maybe if, like, he it, it was just, like, from his point of view, and it was the X-ray vision, and you were just seeing, like, her face and the lips just going, rah, 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 then it would be, like, a better one, but... Yeah. Oh, yeah, again, like, this is yeah, another reason Point why... of view, you're kissing Jennifer Garner, and you're blind. <laughs> yeah. That's no, the like... fix for Daredevil. Yeah, I think, like, I think a movie that, like, has, like, a, like, blind protagonist has such a opportunity to like do so many like interesting things like visually or even audio visually too that this movie just kind of didn't do they just kind of did like a blue filter over everything um yeah and that that like extends to, like the kiss scene as well yeah and then for the winner again it's it, it's tough like punch drunk love better movie than spider-man um oh Honestly, the kisses are probably better, but, like, Spider- again, but in terms of, like, just iconicness, in terms of, like, like, the Punch Drunk Love kisses, I'll watch this again and go, oh, yeah, I probably should have given it to this, but, like, in terms of, like, icon- again, I'm just going in circles now, but, yeah, Spider-Man is the winner, I'll uphold the, like, Academy's decision on this case, but Punch Drunk Love is, like, the winner of my heart. So arguably the bigger victory. Okay. Uh, my kiss ranking is again, yeah, Gangs of New York bottom. Great movie. Maybe it would it would have been higher if Scorsese got to cast Sarah Pauli in the Cameron Diaz part like he wanted to, but as is, it's a no from me. Then Daredevil, which is a one of the better scenes in the movie, except for the kiss, because who cares? It's just like, oh, wow, they kissed. Wow. Then Drumline, which is good, I'd say. That's a big step up from the bottom two. Then Spider-Man. And again, I have nothing against the Academy going with that, because you kind of have to. I don't under... If, if, if they gave it to Punch Drunk Love, people would be rioting in the streets. Released teenagers would be. And, but my number one is any of the kisses from Punch yeah. Drunk Love, yeah. If Punch Drunk Love had one best kiss, this would probably just be an entire investigation podcast figuring out how they pulled that off. Just Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to even figure out if it would have been second place to Spider-Man. Like, maybe... 
the thing is, like, I don't think it would be last because I think that would probably be Gangs of New York because people remember the Punch Drunk Love Kiss even if they don't like that movie. Whereas I had to, I. I had fully forgotten that there was a kiss in Gangs of New York before Listen, uh, doing I this. I want to be very clear that all members of this podcast, um, if we were, uh, during the time of the uh, voting for these, we would be in favor of Stop the Count, you know? Um, if it meant Punch Truck Love would have won. Yes, absolutely. So right. this is a pro-Stop the Count podcast, officially. Uh- <laughs> in one very specific context. <laughs> Uh, listen. It's just gonna get you, like we'll be at a job interview one day. I'll play this clip and you, you stand by this. We'll be like, um, I'll be like, yes? wait, you need to go to earlier in the podcast when we said that we were anti nine eleven. Listen, we have a little bit of uh, a little bit of currency right now. <laughs> in terms of bits where I'm like, oh wait, was this bad? I think this is up there with suggesting that Humbert Humbert should have been in Space Jam too. <laughs> That's just good. He should have been. They got it. They got. Look, they got the fucking other Kubrick people in it. Get him in there. Get 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 Sidney Pollock and Eyes Wide Shut. Our friend Jack was saying that if Warner Brothers had gotten to buy MGM, then maybe he would have been there. Like, who's to say? (laughs) I'm glad I just brought up Lolita again, unprompted. Very good luck. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, as you can see, we're still in the age where adult dramas are getting MTV, like, kissing, like, nominations in categories where you would think they'd be catering solely to the teens at this point. Um, but we're yeah. not quite at that part, which is good. Um, the last few Best Kiss episodes, there's a chance it's just less bleakly, like, considering the state of cinema now, but... <laughs> 2003 it's like hey blockbusters what could go wrong here superhero movies too ah. like wow it's <laughs> i remember when like they had like daredevil coming up and people were like there's been two super like three superhero movies in the past year is this a little much like <laughs> nowadays if like three superhero movies came out in a year everyone would go Oh, the genre's dying, huh? Just... <laughs> yeah, exactly. And no show? Oh my god. I, I, before we go, I'd like to share one note. Punch Drunk Love nominated for zero Academy Awards, but nominated for one MTV Movie Award. <laughs> so this is a sign of the MTV Movie Awards' dominance over the Academy exactly. Awards. I've been saying this for years. But uh, I'm going to flip the script, actually. Kenny, what is your recommendation of the week? Oh, yeah, um, right, this is our recommendation of the week week section, where we each get to recommend whatever we want. Something I'm explaining because we have the guests. Um, <laughs> Listen, sink yeah. or swim on this podcast. <laughs> um, recommendation of the week. Let's see. Um, I do not recommend working 13 days in a row. Um, if you can help it, it's... Yeah, I haven't seen that, that is... yet. I'll have, to, I'll have to wait on my opinion on that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. Oh, well, we talk, we did talk about like comic books stuff this this week. So, um, Daredevil comics, um, many of them are really good. Uh, he he is quietly one of the more like consistent like runs. Um, for specific Daredevil stuff, there is a run if you 
if you look around for your old digital comic apps or in shops and can find stuff of the Mark Wade run, there's a period where Daredevil is just really dark for a while and the character like goes to prison and gets like a wife who gets committed and eventually goes briefly evil and then all of a sudden like they gave it to this guy who's like, what if we did a complete 180 and it was still stories that had dramatic potent but now Daredevil was back of kind of a swashbuckling hero and it's just a lot of bright fun comic-y stuff with really good artwork and oh oh yeah I remember the other thing um right now Disney Plus has started airing their Marvel What If which is an adaption of the comic books where they explore alternate reality ones um get a month-long subscription to Marvel Comics Unlimited Look for the original What Ifs, and read an issue called What If the World Knew Daredevil Was Blind, which proposes a thing where early on to his adventures, like, the villain Electro fig like starts to suspect Daredevil is blind and figures out his secret by going, Alright, Daredevil, if you can see, what color is my costume? And Daredevil's <laughs> like, ah. And Spider-Man's like, he gets, it's true. Like, it's that sounds amazing. Yeah, it's. I'm not saying it's a good comic, but it's really <laughs> funny. Like it's, yeah. Oh, my. How many fingers am I holding up, Daredevil? Yeah. Well, that one you could use radar since the color thing, though. And then it ends with Daredevil like, he he like he regains his sight through like the some you know comicy operation, but loses his powers. And then tells people, it's like, since everyone, by which he means, like, three people, started to figure out the, the secret, he's like, I, I am Daredevil, but I'm gonna retire. But now, I'm gonna, to run for dis, district attorney, he's like, maybe the, he's like, we're gonna change the DD into DA. And then he just wins, <laughs> like, district attorney. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, oh. so... That's my recommendation. Read read that specific comic, and then read other Daredevil stuff because it's good. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. My recommendation, uh, keeping in the themes of superheroes. I, this should still be, hopefully, still in theaters by the time that this one comes out. But the Suicide Squad was really, really good. Um, I didn't know what to expect going in. Um, I didn't hate the original Suicide Squad. Now I kind of, uh, I don't hate it, but I definitely like it less now that this movie's out. Um, I had a really good time with that new Harley Quinn movie, so like they seem to be on like a pretty good upward trajectory with these. Yeah, absolutely go check it out. I was um, I was really enthralled with it. I really enjoyed the Suicide Squad. Yeah, uh, definitely better from the original one, which I kind of like in theaters, but only because literally before I saw it, I was like mediating a big fight between like two of my best friends, and then so I'm like. Well, this was better than having to deal with that for another two hours. William, you got a recommendation? Yeah, now you only had to mediate a. F I only had to mediate a fight with what? Uh, never mind. It was I was gonna say you mediating a fight between some fucking Suicide Squad characters, but I can't. I couldn't think of them off the top of my head. <laughs> oh, you're telling me you don't remember Boomerang Man or Slipknot, the guy who can climb things? He's the one who dies. I, I know. I know. He's the one who gets his head exploded <laughs> immediately. immediately. So 
I have seen neither Suicide Squad nor The Suicide Squad. I've only seen Birds of Prey, which yeah. is very good. Oh, yeah. De- de- definitely give The Suicide Squad a watch. It's so good. And then, yeah, um, what is your recommendation of the week? Well, I'm going to have to break with the superhero theme of today's recommendations because I have nothing in that regard. Instead, I will go to a different element of today's episode and plug a Paul Thomas Anderson project, a 13-ish minute short film he made with the band Haim called Valentine, which is amazing. It's just... It's I don't know how to describe it because it is re- literally just Haim performing songs in a studio. But the way it's shot is so beautiful. The camera moves are so cool. It's just it's a great way of visualizing the performance of music. And it's like I said, it's very short. It's like 13 minutes. So give it a watch if you haven't already. It is better than at least a few consensus of a few consensus picks for Paul Thomas Anderson's masterpiece. Oh, neat. Yeah, I'll have to check that out because I don't think I've seen that yet. But And now we move on from recommendations to just straight-up plugs. So, yeah, William, uh, thanks for being on. Do you got anything you want to plug for us today? Uh, just my Twitter account, at L. Soderbergo. That's E-L Soderberg and an O at the end. So if you want to follow me for goofs and gags primarily then i would much appreciate it the world of film twitter william is like better than many people on there (laughs) i'd hope so i hope so you're also the one i know so it's like (laughs) oh yeah do you have anything else like uh or is just the twitter oh 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 me i thought you were asking uh for the twitter for the show no uh uh no well actually one other thing i am writing a ongoing series about the films of the production company slash distributor Revolution Studios, producers of Punch Drunk Love, and many other much worse movies that are just, like, stupid comedies and, like, trash action movies like Triple X. So I've gotten up to 2004 at the moment... And these are on a website hosted by former Dissolve commenters called thesolute.com. That's the-s-o-l-u-t-e.com. So keep an eye out for that. My article on 2005 and, among other things, the film Rent will be posted... um, Monday after this coming Monday. Oh, neat. Yeah, so I'll probably post it up by the time this airs in, like, two weeks, so... Hey. Okay. Uh, then, yeah, probably. Alright, Ben, what you got this week? Yep, um, yeah, like always, I have the Twitter, um, at FutAlby, that's it, uh, the at symbol, F-U-T underscore A-L-B-E-E. Yep, don't go through my likes on Twitter, uh, please, that is my safe space. Um, my Instagram is not two pens. That is N O T underscore two underscore P E N S. I got it right this time. 
and that Instagram. Did you get it wrong before? I think I, I think I got it wrong last episode. <laughs> I think I was listening to it and I did get it wrong. Like I, I corrected myself, but I still uh, I, I had a misspelling. Uh, my Instagram is kind of barren at the moment. I still need to listen to more Weezer. I will hopefully find more time for that in the coming weeks. Yeah, you really should have done another Year of the Rat type. <laughs> I, I wanted to, but like Year of the Ox, like eh, I just don't, you didn't I, think you could find three hundred and sixty-five ox photos. I, I I know that I could. It's whether or not I wanted to, you know. <laughs> I don't feel like sure. I would have the same like uh, the same like excitement, you know. I think <laughs> rats hold like a special place. Oh yeah. Well, um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter or on. Letterbox with a list of films for the show at Like a Wolverine. Um, for the show, you can, yep. Our theme song is by Matt Samard. Ben does the art. Um, we're hosted on FriendlyMush.com, but we own our own podcast. It's but Friendly Mush is other other cool podcasts and should check them out sometimes. I I don't plug them enough. Um, but I also don't think I have to. I, it, it, it's cool. Um, uh, the podcast Twitter is at Gold Popcorn Pod. Um, our email is pastagoldenpopcorn at gmail dot com. Email us your competing rankings, and if we ever get emails that give competing rankings, I will read them on the show. That is a promise. Um, so far, the only email I think we found to that account is jack emailed me something where the headline just said about space jam 2 because if you listen to that episode that came up so much and then i just had no content um, <laughs> but do podcast stuff like rate and review or follow if you're on apple Podcasts, which is going downhill from what i've heard um yeah tell tell friends and i think all that's left to do at this point is to say what's coming up next week so, for Best Kiss 2004, the nominees are Charlize Theron and Christina Ricci, Monster, Keanu Reeves and Monica Bellucci. Jesus Christ. Matrix Reloaded. Yeah, Monster's a fun nom. Um, Jim Carrey and Jennifer Aniston, Bruce Almighty, Sean Ashmore and, and Anna Paquin, X2, and the winner is... Owen Wilson, Carmen Electra, and Amy Smart for Starsky and Hutch. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, God. I'll tell you. Yeah. Oh, William. I have seen Starsky and Hutch. I, I just like to say I, I would not. That would not get my vote. I, I'm just going to say it. Yeah. Well, it, it'll be a big episode. Um, We should have another guest on for that. So yeah, a couple guests in a row. And. Yeah, and anyways, uh thank you for li- thank you for lis- listening. Uh thanks William for being here and talking about these films. I hope you enjoyed the experience. I very much did. Thanks yeah, for it was having, great me. having you. Yeah, and yeah, just keep pa- passing that golden popcorn and you know ju- just remember um, I just want to double down at this point that I do love the song Kiss from a Rose and when Ben was saying I didn't. It was like, just a bit. Ah, uh, and um, yeah. Uh, take it easy on the Irish. Like, what did they do? Come on. Come on. I watched In, in the Name of the Father too. Like, oh, come on. Leave them alone. They didn't do anything. I don't think. 
Um, yeah. I'm, I'm sure someone did something at some point, but... <laughs> uh. Look, if you're, if you're Irish and listening to this podcast, I just... This is a pro-Irish, pro-Alex Jones being swole, pro... It's not pro-9-11. Okay, no, we did say... Okay, anti-9-11 podcast. Our th- this our... is... We love all of those things Truly except 9 11. The three pillars so. of the past the golden popcorn is that we are pro Irish, pro Alex Jones being swole, and anti 9 11. Yeah, so on that note, um, goodbye. Just. <laughs> <laughs> Ta ta for now. This is a pro Alex Jones podcast. Yeah, he's kind of the token white guy, you know? I don't give a two penny fuck. About your moral quandary, you meat-headed shit sack. <laughs>